Let me pray as we begin this small but mighty group that's gathered here. Thanks for being here. Balcony was like fuller than I thought. This is good. Okay. Uh, Glad to have you here today. Let's pray as we begin. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I want to read uh, a brief note to you. This is a note that was addressed to me when I was a much younger man. Lars, congratulations on your graduation. It's been a gift to be in God's word with you this year. You are a gifted young minister, and I look forward to seeing how God will use your gifts. As you head to college, remember that there are many good things, good things for you to be involved in. But remember, these are the years for you to prepare for a life of ministry. Learn to say no so that you can say yes to God's will. And remember the words of Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. God bless you, your friend, Rabbi. This is a note from... My good friend Paul Swanson, who was a high school teacher of mine and was the first person to truly disciple me. That might be a a new kind of language for you, somebody discipling somebody else. What I mean is he was the one who truly opened up scripture to me. He took a, a look at the evidence of God's work in my life. And he wrote me this note upon my high school graduation. I've kept this note with me. It's often on a bulletin board, or now it's in a file drawer, and these words are dear to me. We are now well into our summer series called Humble Hope, a deep dive into Paul's letters to the Thessalonian church. And this text today, in chapters 2 and 3, gets at the heart of Paul's reason for writing to the Thessalonians. He wants to encourage them. He wants to cheer them on. And much like that personal note that I received from my mentor, these words in our text today give you a sense of the relationship that Paul had with these believers. Paul had been separated prematurely from the Thessalonians, and he writes about that experience of having to be separated from them in chapters 2 and 3. So here, God's word. This is a long one, so if you have your booklet with you, if you brought that with you, your Bible with you, Uh, I know we don't have Bibles in the pews right now. You can follow along. Otherwise, it's on the screen. And uh, maybe later today, if you want to come back around and grab, there's there's booklets for you as well for you to take notes in uh, in subsequent weeks. But hear God's word. As for us, brothers and sisters, when for a short time we were made orphans by being separated from you, in person, not in heart, we longed with great eagerness to see you face to face. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, wanted to again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord at his coming? Is it not you? Yes, you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we couldn't bear it any longer, we decided to be left alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother and co-worker for God in proclaiming the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you for the sake of your faith, so that no one would be shaken by these persecutions. Indeed, 
You yourselves know that this is what we were destined for. In fact, when we were with you, we told you beforehand that we were to suffer persecution. So it turned out, as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that somehow the tempter had tempted you and that our labor had been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love. He has told us that you always remember us kindly and you long to see us just as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers and sisters, during all of our distress and persecution, we have been encouraged about you through your faith. For we now live if you continue to stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a beautiful text, huh? And as we continue to study these letters to the Thessalonian church, it's good to be reminded that when we do so, we're reading somebody else's mail. If you were to grab personal correspondence out of my mailbox, you would be entering into a relational conversation with history and context. I recognize that 99% of the things that come in the mailbox are total junk, but for that one handwritten note, you would be entering into a relationship, right? That's the same when we read Paul's letters to the Thessalonian church. We are entering into a relationship that is well-established, has history. We don't know all the inside jokes and the things that they've been through and the late-night conversations that they've had and the experiences that they've had together. The difference here is that I can't guarantee you that in my personal mail, like the letter I got from Rabbi Paul Swanson, I can't guarantee you that any of those letters would have anything specific to say to you. But this epistle, this letter is part of the Bible's canon. And we believe that the Spirit enlivens these words for even us today, and it does have something to say to us. Even though it was written in a, spe a specific place to specific people at a specific time, I believe, we believe, that these words have significance for us. So, what does it have to say to us? Well, let's take a look at what the text has to say. We get a sense here of how Paul and Silas were uh, prematurely separated from this church that they cared so much about. Simon preached on that a little bit last week. He can go back and listen to it. They had to leave Thessalonica very quickly because of persecution that had broken out. An angry mob who sought to beat and imprison them for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we get some of the context here now. They are now in Athens, and as Paul says, he really, really wants to return to this congregation, but he's blocked by Satan from doing so. He's concerned that these believers that he had relatively little time with, maybe um, nothing more than a couple of months. He, he's concerned that they might not have been able to hold on to their faith, and he wants to encourage this congregation quietly so as not to be noticed, and so he sends Timothy to go in, in sort of a stealth move to go and see how they're doing. Timothy is now returned to Athens with great news for Paul and Silas. 
the Thessalonian church is not only still intact, they're still meeting, they're still operating together, but they are thriving. And we hear this joy and, and this thanksgiving overflowing in Paul's words to hear this news. How wonderful. Put yourself in the shoes of the Thessalonians for a second. How wonderful would it have been for them to, to have this letter read to them out loud? I bet their gathering was about our size, right here. Maybe a little bit smaller. And they were in a room together, and here... Paul's just gushing, right, with thanksgiving and gratitude for their love and their faith and how they've hung on to it. To have your mentor, your discipler, uh, take that kind of pride in you, it's really a beautiful thing. And I see three particularly relational aspects of what Paul writes here. The first is that Paul shows unity with them. Paul shows a unity with these believers. Look at uh, chapter 3, verses 19 through 20 again. For what's our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Yes, you are our glory and joy. This is really important. It's a recognition that Paul's joy in ministry, his, his satisfaction in what he does, is tied with these friends in Thessalonica and with his other congregations as well. They are united in a purpose, in mission, in passion together. Now, diversity of thought and opinion and strategy uh, can be a good thing. It's something we talk about a lot in, in 21st century America. But I want to advocate for striving for unity. That is a thoroughly biblical model. Striving for unity. Not, not you know, some sort of monochrome existence necessarily, but a unity together. All of Jesus' disciples from those first 12 to the women, to the crowds, to Paul and the apostles, and all the way to us here today in 2020, we're all different people, right? But what is it that, that, that we can unify around, especially in a world that's so divided, in a country that's so divided? We are called to unify around Jesus as the center of our lives. That's the unity that Paul is asserting here. And he appeals to that. He also appeals to in, in, in chapter 4, verse 8, where he says, for now we live if you continue to stand firm in the Lord. What's Paul saying? Our lives are tied with your lives. Our faith is tied with your faith. We are with you. We are united with you. The second relational thing that I see here is, is that Paul names godly characteristics that he sees in the Thessalonians. Chapter 4, verse 6. But Timothy's just now come to us from you. He has brought us the good news of your faith and love. Here Paul notes that he sees something in them. He sees this faith and this love in them, that their faith and love is evidence of the Christ life that is in them. These are godly characteristics that he notes clearly as an encouragement to them, as a way of cheering them on, of showering them with the truth of their witness in Thessalonica. And then the third thing he does is he encourages them onward. Look at verses 12 through 13, chapter 4. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. Remember, he's already told them that they're doing great in terms of their love and faith, but he's saying, may it abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before God the Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Paul doesn't just compliment the Thessalonians for how well they're doing, but he blesses them forward in their faith. He encourages them to grow in love of one another and all people that they might grow holy in their hearts. They might strive for holiness 
We're going to talk about holiness next week, so you can hang on to that one because that's where our text is going to lead us. But suffice to say, Paul expects them to be growing and maturing and keeping up the good work. They have not arrived. He expects them to keep going. The discipleship is not over. It continues, and he blesses them as they continue to push forward in that. Isn't it kind of amazing what Paul's done in in three short verses here? He's voiced unity. He's given testimony of God's work, and he's called out these godly characteristics that he sees in them, and then he encourages them forward. That's a pretty good model. You know, part of the reason that that note that I read for you from my teacher made such an impression on me was that he, either knowingly or unknowingly, did exactly what Paul did in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. My teacher voiced unity with me. He noticed the ways in which God was at work in my life, and and he called out godly characteristics that he saw in me. And then, like Paul, he went on to encourage me further with words of wisdom and with God's own words from Proverbs. And like Paul, uh, just like Paul's letters, this was a relational letter, right? Both letters are based on relationships. Both set out to encourage a steadfast, faithful, daily walk with Jesus. And both are completely focused on God's work. You might notice that my teacher didn't go on about what a great student I was or or how much I knew about the Bible or all of my accomplishments. Now, there might have been other reasons for that. There might not have been much to write about. But I think it's because he wanted to put the focus on God's work, not on my work. The Apostle Paul does the same thing. Every attribute noted is a God-given one. And the focus is thoroughly on God's work in their midst. So, back to that question. What does this text have to say to us? Some of you might already be going there in your minds. And I think the relationship that we see here between Paul and the Thessalonians causes me to ask a couple of questions that I'm going to invite you to ask honestly as well. I think they're questions that are pertinent for us today. And the first is this. Who is building up your faith? Who in your life is building up your faith? And I mean actively building it up. Who is discipling you? In other words, who is who's the person in your life who is actively helping you follow Jesus in a personal way? Now we know that there were numerous places that, that Paul and his crew went where they were not well received. But clearly, the Thessalonians put themselves out there. They were willing to be discipled by Paul. They heard his gospel that he preached. They they realized that he was a guru of scripture and faith in Jesus. They put themselves under his leadership. Have you asked somebody to disciple you? To come alongside you? To open up scripture with you? To ask you tough questions? When I was a high schooler, we had to take a Bible class every semester at my Christian high school. And I'd heard about the Reverend Paul Swanson, a covenant pastor who had taught at my high school for over 40 years. He was affectionately known as rabbi because he was a great teacher, but also because he really looks exactly like an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. Uh, My brother had taken classes from him and had loved him, and, and I was excited to take a class from him as I was getting more serious about my own faith. And my first class with him was called Foundations of Christianity, and I found this teacher who was who was opening scripture to me. We read C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity and Taylor Caldwell's Great Lion of God, two wonderful books to read. Rabbi Swanson was well known for lecturing himself into a sweaty frenzy and then cramming himself into one of those desk chair combos for discussion with sweat rolling down his forehead. 
He was passionate, he was learned, and he was caring. And through a few courses with him, I grew to really admire him, and I got the courage to, to share with him what I saw God doing in my life and feeling that God may have been calling me to some ministry in my life. And his response to me was, well, why don't we study together? We'll do an independent study. I'll get you credits for it. You come in an hour before school, three days a week, and we're going to read the book of Acts together. You're going to have to read every day, every day, and it's going to be pretty hard, but we should do it. And of course I said yes. So I would walk into his classroom, which was the coolest old classroom on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 645, and Rabbi would have coffee ready for me and a little Danish from his lovely wife, Carol, for each of us, and we would open up scripture, and we would read, and we would discuss, and we would pray. He would challenge me. He would teach me. He would listen to me. And that third floor room became holy ground, I think, for both of us. Now, I didn't have language for it then, but it's clear to me now that he didn't need to do that as a teacher, right? This rabbi, Rabbi Swanson, was making a disciple of Jesus. He was taking the time to encourage me and care for me. He was recognizing God's work in me and in my life. Do you have that? I've needed that in every stage of my life, and, and I look at the seasons of my life where I haven't had that, and those are seasons of deficiency. Those are seasons where I've struggled. It always takes a certain willingness to put yourself out there, to find someone who you respect and ask them to take time with you, but these are such deep and life-giving relationships. If you don't have that kind of relationship, I, I, I want you to know you need to find it, and this is for, I, we have a number of high schoolers, grade school age kids here too, that's for you too. Call one of us pastors. We'd be thrilled to listen, to make connections for you. Think of others maybe in this church or elsewhere who, who you know love Jesus, who know God's word and, and, and who you respect the way in which they live their lives and ask them if they would just spend time with you and say, would you help me to follow Jesus? You need that. I don't care if you're nine years old or 90 years old. You need it. You need a rabbi. You need someone who will take the time to open up scripture with you and listen to you and point out the presence of God in your life. So that's my first question. The second one, which maybe you can anticipate, is who are you building up? If you're someone who's been discipled in following Jesus, that's the first step. Who are you now discipling? Whose faith are you encouraging? I treasure my note from Rabbi because it's such an excellent example of how I want to encourage other people. And you might think, well, he's a great teacher. He taught for many years. What I didn't mention about Rabbi's note was that it was given at my graduation. It was scribbled on a three-by-five note card. Um, I never asked, but my guess is that he may have forgotten to write a card out for me and, and pick out the perfect card that you know cost $8 at the drugstore. And he maybe found this note card in his glove compartment and said, well, this will have to do. It wasn't perfect, but it's a word that I'm always going to treasure. You don't have to be perfect either. By the way, I didn't listen to his words super well. I got way too involved in college. I said yes to way too many things. I didn't see the pitfalls that he, or, he clearly saw in me. But that little note made such an impression that Rabbi Paul Swanson stood up at our wedding. He was the one who gave the greeting at our wedding and we had Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 engraved in our wedding bands as our wedding verse. I relish the opportunity to, to build into others the same way that people have built into me. 
I'm excited about the idea that someone I might write to and encourage might become a follower of Jesus for years to come in a deep way. You could do that. Every one of you could do that. When you see God at work in someone's life, follow the same script that Rabbi and and the Apostle Paul do. Give thanks. Voice unity with them around Jesus Christ. Unity with that brother and sister. Note the ways in which you have seen God at work in their lives. Name the godly characteristics that you've seen in them. And then after you do that, you can challenge them into some new areas as well and, and point them to Scripture. Every time I, I seek to disciple somebody, I try and follow that formula. And the focus is always on God and His good work in their lives. So I challenge every single one of you to build into someone else's faith this week. Follow that formula. And as you do so, pray that your words might be encouraging to those who receive it. Remember that you are united with the people that you are discipling. As Paul says, for we now live if you stand firm in the Lord. We are in this together. So this text gives us a sense of the directional relationships that we have in our lives. As you look at those arrows, Paul and Silas and Timothy down to the Thessalonians so that they might build into others, and then the Thessalonians have collegial um, fellowship with brothers and sisters, peers who are walking together. I had my friend Paul uh, from Colorado who was here this morning in the first service. He's one of those sideways arrows for me up here, right? that I can call any time and say, hey, would you encourage me? I'm having a tough day. Would you pray for me? Would you cry with me? Would you laugh with me? Right? The Thessalonians are discipled by Paul so that they can disciple others who will disciple others who will disciple others. Every directional relationship here matters if we are to grow and flourish and have a testimony like that of the Thessalonian believers. Are you experiencing this kind of directional relationship Christian relationship? If not, you need to take steps to do so. Do, do you look at this and go, well, I, I'm, one of those arrows is big for me, but one is kind of small, right? Or this is imbalanced. Why is this important? Because relationships in all directions grow us into Christ-likeness. Our lives look more like Jesus when we are being built into and when we are building into others and when we are growing in Christian relationships with our peers. It is love of Christ and Jesus himself that unifies us all, from baby Christians to rabbis of the faith and everybody in between. So may we follow that model that Paul and the Thessalonians set before us today and each day. Let me pray. Lord, we recognize as we think about these directional relationships that you, through your Son, Jesus Christ, are in and above and below and around and through and amidst us. That we can experience the fullness of these relationships because you are a God who came down to us and empowered us with your Spirit so that we might pass on the peace and the grace and the love of Jesus to those around us. Would you strengthen these relationships in our lives where we're deficient, Lord? Would you give us a vision for what it means to experience fullness so that we might know the fullness of life in you and that we might grow towards Christ's likeness? And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that it is you who unifies us. Even as we head to the table this morning, we are mindful of the ways 
in which you unify us around your son, Jesus Christ. Would you form us more and more into your likeness through these relationships, we pray in your name.